All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And on the show with me today, I've got my good buddy, Austin. Now, we've known each other for about a decade now, and we're going to be recapping his amazing season so far. I mean, he's had quite the year, and we're going to be comparing that to my very rough season. So you're going to hear a lot of stories of success, stories of failure, close encounters, first-time success, which... That's what we're going to spend a lot of the show talking about. He, you know what? I'm not going to give it away. It's going to be an awesome episode. Let's jump in with Austin. Like he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. I am sitting in the apartment right now with my buddy Austin. Heck yeah. How's it going? Pretty good. It's Dude, been a while. Yeah. When's the last show that you were on? I think it was turkey season, not this past one, but a year before that. Two turkeys. Dude, I feel like I've had you on multiple times in between now and then, but maybe We've been not. hunting a lot. Yeah. And you were on our podcast, too. Yeah. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's what I was thinking. So you've had a killer season, and- you're kind of annoying me now because you just keep sending me like, dude, check this out. And I'm like, again, <laughs> I've had a rough season, man. It's been just a wild year. And everybody who who listens to the podcast has heard about it. And you've, mm-hmm. you've gotten all the texts and all the pictures. <laughs> and we were just showing videos and stuff. It's just been a great year for coyotes and, and uh, raccoons. For me, not for yeah. the coyotes and the raccoons. But the deer, man. Dude. They shut off. I don't know what the deal is. And it's every, what's, what I've been laughing about with like my wife when you'll go out of town for something and, you know, you shared your cameras with me and I'll get on. I'm like, the day after that buck is right there, right by the stand. I'm glad you can find humor in it because (laughs) I tell, I tell my wife the same thing as soon, like if we wake up at 5 a.m. to Mm -hmm. leave for a road trip to head somewhere i'm like just wait just wait there will be deer right in front of my camera and she's like oh yeah and then all of a sudden i hear that (laughs) stupid bing or i get like it's it's a different vibrate Mm -hmm. you know on my phone for the trail cameras and i know it and as soon as it goes off i'm like you have got to be (laughs) kidding me dude it's just it's non-stop man it's and the thing is it's not like they know I'm out of town, but it seems like they do. It seems like it. And it's not even like if I'm not in the stand, they're there. Mm-hmm. It's like when I'm actually leaving and I cannot physically. Right now, if I got a ping, I could go out there right now with my bow, try to get yep. in position. Oh, we if would I leave and we would yeah. go get those. Oh, we'd be gone. But it's like when I'm halfway across the state or in a different state that all of a sudden they show up. It was it was crazy. I think it was right during rifle or maybe right after sometime around then. The like big buck. Yep. You had left town and three days in a row daylighted. Yep. And I'm just like Dude, that was how? a brand new buck. I've never I have never ever seen that buck. And it was the morning that me and Nick drove out. We we got up. As soon as I woke up, I like the first thing I do in bed, Mm -hmm. I wake up and I open up my app and 
I checked the tax cam app and sure enough, here's this buck. And I'm like, dude, what deer is this? I've never seen this deer in my life. And he picks his head up. I like download the HD videos, you know, Mm -hmm. and you can't see him if I share it with you. Right. It's only if you have my login. Yeah. I can only see the pictures. Yeah. So like I download the video and I'm like, holy dude, this is a 160 inch 10 point. And he Mm -hmm. is just perfect. Like everything about him. No flaws. The width, the height, the mass, no flaws whatsoever. And I'm like, of course. Mm -hmm. And we were supposed to leave at like 6 a.m. or something like that. But my trailer was getting worked on. So we had to go and get that. And so this whole time I'm thinking, can I just have Nick do all this and I'll go out there? (laughs) But when he showed up that night, it was at like 2 a.m. Yeah. We get out to Colorado. I set up the Starlink at our base camp. And so like I've got internet out there. And every single it it wasn't every day because I was gone for like six days, but mm-hmm. three out of the six days daylighted. Some days he's spending forty minutes in front of the camera, yep. just eating, scraping, rubbing. I mean, like whatever. And, and I I think like you said three of the, out of the six, but I think the other three there were still a lot of deer activity. It was nonstop. Yeah, the twenty seventh. And the 31st this year mm-hmm. were just killer days. I had target bucks. It was my two top bucks. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I say the two top bucks. That buck, who wasn't even a target buck because I didn't know he existed until this point. Mm-hmm. And then my main buck on my other property. They both showed up on the 27th and the 31st in the middle of the day. And where am I? <laughs> in Colorado. At least you were chasing elk. I mean. But, dude, our final day. No, it was the day before our final day of season. Me and Nick are sitting on the mountainside. And this guy, Dan, came down the mountain with us. And we're, like, looking out. We see these two small bulls. And I'm like, oh, dude, I just got a notification. (laughs) And, like, one of our main glassing spots, like a really good spot, I typically have, like, two bars. And I get a notification. And it's him, and he's just like, like the best picture I had had of him up until this point. <laughs> All the other ones were good, but this one just showed everything. So I download the video. We look at the video, and Nick looks at me, and he goes, do you want to skip the final day of elk season and go home? Dang. And I was like, I kind of do. I was like an inch away from pulling the trigger and saying, dude, we're out. But my brother was there. He had already filled a bull tag. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to fill my bull tag. And then we ended up getting him and two other guys on a bear, which didn't pan out. And so, like, in all reality, I totally could have come back and tried to hunt that deer. But yeah. he didn't who, He didn't come back after that. Yeah, who knows if he's even, even there that next day. So I've talked to, let's see, I've talked to four of my neighbors in that area. Mm-hmm. that hunt or like have somebody hunting their property nobody's killed a big buck hmm. not a single person i've had more big bucks on camera this year than i ever have one guy hasn't even seen a deer that he would shoot what the heck and he hunts like the main property that i would say if i could hunt that i would i would tag out on a 140 plus every year and hmm. apparently he hasn't even seen a mature buck wow so Huh. I don't know. Uh, my other buddy Trevor, he's out there. He he's got eighty acres less than a mile from me, 
and we see the same bucks on camera a mm -hmm. lot. And so he's like, dude, have you seen this guy yet? Have you seen this guy? I haven't seen him at, since rifle season. I don't know where they're at, you know. And so we're both starting to get bucks back on camera again. But, I, dude, I'm hoping they just full-on switch back into their pre- and post-rut mm -hmm. uh, patterns. And then my confidence will go through the roof. Yeah. But right now, it's just slim pickings. Even the few sits that I've done, I see like a doe or two. That's yeah, it. Dude, like it's been weird. Like obviously I haven't been hunting as much since I tagged out, which I'm now going to rub that in your face a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so thanks yeah, for you're that, welcome. Dude. In um, my own home, man. <laughs> but just on my cameras and stuff, it's been like activity's been slow. I did have about a week ago a buck chasing a doe. But Oh dang. It other than that, it's been hardly anything. Until probably last night, and last night we had a at about seven thirty eight o'clock, we had maybe a maybe a one twenty like maybe it'd be pushing it come through and that's the best we've seen and we were seeing kind of like you I mean I wouldn't say as big as de of deer but still pretty decent deer yeah pretty consistently and then rifle and it's been just nothing. Part of me wonders, like, the the amount of rifle seasons that they've opened up this year. Mm. Because, I mean, we had a youth season, a second youth season. We had a doe only. Mm -hmm. Then we had rifle season. Then we had a second rifle season for bucks or does. And then we had a doe only season. So and then we're like, about to go into the alternate method yeah. in, like, a week. Dude, I'm about to if, – if the activity switches – I mean, I really was hoping – I thought this might be my year where I'd get where I'd get two with my bow. Mm -hmm. That's that was my plan. That was my goal. But dude, I might just get an AR pistol and go yeah. out there and see just what I see can what make happen, happens. man. Because I'm I'm struggling to even have deer sightings. Bobcats. I've had more bobcats on camera, mm -hmm. and we were just talking about this going and putting traps out. Dude, I would be so down. We could go out there. We could put. I think we can put both our names on them, and then one yeah. of us just has to check them every 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And that bobcat, dude, he's coming in like every other night now. Yeah. It would be, we'd have him trapped. Well, you know, it's it's that whole, I'm going to kill a deer opening day, Yeah, and then you go out and you don't see a deer. So I feel like we could have him trapped in three days. How, how much experience do you have trapping? Very little, but I've watched quite a few videos. I have, I have basically no experience trapping so I, I know i understand they're like dude rubber boots rubber gloves you know you do a shaker you get mm -hmm. you you set the trap at this depth for that for a bobcat we'd hang a feather above it you know yep. like do all of that stuff to where it's going to catch its attention but i also because that bobcat's not typically bobcats when i see them on camera they they spook whatever it is i don't know if there's like a s small hmm. electronic noise or what but with these cameras that i got this year dude they act like nothing's going on they just hmm. walk around they'll look up because obviously it it's a weird block on a tree yeah but they just go about their business hmm. and we're getting them on cam i mean so i share my cameras with you you yep. share your cameras with me and so we're seeing all the same stuff but there's bobcats everywhere yeah i think we could uh i think we could trap uh, I, I think two or three are out there. 
with how many we're seeing, there's one for sure big one. Well, we know there's two big ones because the hay bale tree. That's true. That had two mature bobcats on it the other night in the mm-hmm. same clip. So I, I don't think I, I don't think I saw that clip because I, th- I think I saw the picture, but I don't think they're in the picture. They are. Are they? So you can see. I'm going to pull well, it then up. I must have missed it. I'm going to pull it up as we're talking because they are in the same picture. Give me one second. But you only see the eyes oh, of, okay. of the back one. And then in the video, you just see the butt of the one go out hmm. of frame. And then the other one's fully in frame. So, I mean, that right there, when I saw that, I've never had, I've had two bobcats. But this year I had uh, a mature bobcat and an adolescent in the same video. Huh. But I've never had two. And it could be that it's just grown Bro. now because that was early summer, I yeah. believe. Um, but yeah, this this picture, man, is the bobcats in the picture. And then, oh, that's a different picture of the bobcat. That's the thing, man. There's, There's so many so pictures many. of them now. Here you go. So here's the picture of it, and then right there is the, oh. the second one. And so they're both in frame, and I was like, no freaking way, dude. See, I've seen it where if you trap, like trapping, especially for coyotes. this thing, dude. Look at this. This looks what like it's that? just a house cat. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen this picture. It looks like a dog almost, it, like, but with the coloring of a house cat. Dude, I don't know what... The, it's got to be a dog because that's the size of the bobcat. Yeah. Yeah, that's got to be a dog. Okay. Or you have a massive cat out there. But it's like coyotes, dude. Coyotes They're and bobcats everywhere. are all over the place. And that's that's something that we've got to deal with. Mm-hmm. You know, I keep telling Sam I want a thermal because thermal season, I believe, happens in the spring. Last year was the yeah. first year they allowed it at all. Mm-hmm. But there's like a three month window that you can hunt them. That'd be sweet. And I'm like, dude, I want to get out there with a thermal so bad. That would be so cool. You know how you know how much we would clean up on predators oh out there. Oh my gosh! If we could thermal hunt all year long, it'd be insane. They'd quit coming into calls though. That's the problem. True. But but still, I mean, if you get over a field with some thermals and just find them, you could sneak up, get close enough. Dude, I've killed. I, I missed one with my bow. It mm-hmm. like it matrixed my arrow at 40 <laughs> yards. I killed one with my bow, killed one with my rifle. And huh. I'm like, I'm not calling at all. This is just when I'm in the stand. Mm-hmm. And every hunt, I'm like, every single hunt I'm on turns into a coyote hunt if a coyote comes that's, in. That's, yeah, if a coyote comes in, it's a coyote hunt regardless. Yeah. There's only one hunt I've been on uh, that it didn't turn into a coyote hunt. And that was partially because I couldn't get the shot, but also because it was like first uh, first cold front of the season, and I had big bucks that morning on my cameras. So I was like, "Yeah, no, I can't. I can't shoot." I think it was rifle season. Yeah, too. it's tough to so. justify it, but also I've had so many times where I've killed something and a deer comes in right after. Yeah. Dude, I had. I don't think I've ever told you this. I was coyote hunting out there one year in the summer and it, it was like late summer. The bucks were in velvet hmm. and I'm just ripping the call using, using just a mouth call. And all of a sudden these deer all come into the field and they're just feeding. And I'm like, what the heck? 
And so I keep ripping on the call. I'm like, dude, maybe a coyote will still come through. And then I look to my left and I just set the call down because I look and here comes this buck and he walks to 40 yards. And I'm like, what in the world? I'm on the ground. I'm on the fence line between the pond and the beans. I'm on that fence line on the ground with my rifle. And this buck walks in to 40 yards and then it just starts feeding, gets to 26 yards while I'm on the ground. Right, like I literally stopped calling right when I saw it in the field with me. Oh my gosh! Why don't they do that during season? Like I don't seriously. Know. But I also wonder, depending on the time of year, or maybe in that area, there's so many rabbits and squirrels. I wonder how much deer predation is done by coyotes. Because I've got yeah. another video on trail camera. I'll have to show you that one of a mature buck and a coyote in the same video. In the same video? In the same video on the home tree north camera. What? Dude, I've, <laughs> what? Seen, I've seen them. I watched a buck two years ago chase a coyote off. It was just walking. and it, Sorry, it didn't chase it off. It didn't like, but a coyote came through, and I was like, dude, I'm going to shoot this coyote. And then I see a deer come through, and the deer is directly downwind of this coyote. In plain sight, the beans are cut, and they're both in the bean field about 60 yards apart. And the deer is just, the buck is just walking. And the coyote looked back a couple times at it and then kind of took off running. <laughs> so I don't, what? Dude, I don't know, man. <laughs> I've seen some weird stuff out at this property. I've seen deer duck fences out there. I saw, I saw two deer, that would have also been two seasons ago, duck the fence instead of jump it. Not hmm. injured. I'm like, what the heck are these? It's just that's weird. There's something in the water. I don't know. See, our deer, our deer at my grandparents' farm, the does will duck it, the bucks will jump it. Even like even the young ones that are like button bucks, you'll look at them and you'll you'll be able to tell what they are by how they address a fence. Yeah, it's really weird just watching. Huh. But that's weird. Yeah, it's like, dude. I have aside from the Southwest Bean Field camera, I've had mm-hmm. basically no rutting behavior. On camera, I haven't had any chasing at all on camera. Hmm. I've the only thing I say is rutting behavior. There is all of the deer hit that scrape on the ground. Yeah, and like they're doing the bucks, the does, the spikes, everything. So, anyways, it's just been an odd year. Hopefully, it switches. But we need cold weather, man. It's high in the fifties like every day. Today's right now. It's fifty degrees, and it is December twelfth. Dude, like that's unheard of. It sucks, man. But my spot is typically a good early and late season spot, mm-hmm. and but I do always see see rut activity. This year, I haven't. I don't know why that would be. That's just it's weird. It's yeah. weird to me. All right, how many of you guys hate dealing with tangled up rope? Trying to untie it, it's all knotted up, and you actually really need it at the time. Don't raise your hands because I obviously can't see you. But those days are long gone. Rapid Rope is a quick deploy rope solution that you can pull the length you need and cut it all with one hand. You don't need knives or scissors or a lighter to singe the end because it's cross-threaded to keep it from fraying. Yeah, they've thought of everything. And this is way stronger than your average 550 cord. In fact, this is 1,100 pound test. It comes in a shatterproof canister that you can fit in the cup holder in your vehicle or your backpack or I don't know if you still wear cargo pants, any one of the thousand pockets that you have. It comes in a 120 foot canister, a 70 foot canister, and you can get a rope refill. So just in a matter of seconds, 
you could be deploying and cutting rope with one hand again. So if you want to stop dealing with the headache of untying rope and detangling everything anytime you need to tie something down, go check out rapidrope.com and use code NOMADIC for 10% off at checkout. Shopping for the perfect gift can be a total pain. Luckily, Vortex makes it easy and has something for everyone. Whether it's a stocking stuffer like a Venom Red Dot or a bigger gift like the Fury Rangefinding Binoculars. But my personal pick this year is the Razer HD 13-39 by 56 Spotting Scope. It's compact, I can take it anywhere, and it's at the top of my list. So no matter who you're shopping for, gift giving just got easier when you enter code NOMADIC10 for 10% off your apparel order at eurooptic.com. And now, let's get back to today's show, presented by Vortex. I don't get it, but... Dude, let's get to your success because you've crushed it this year. <laughs> you got your first tag filled was mm-hmm. your early season uh, archery deer tag. That yeah, right? uh, that well, there was that was my first for deer. The elk was even before that. So was I, it really? I started. I went out September second. Oh, yeah, because that's right. Is when I killed him, dude. Uh, so let's start with that one. Okay, that story and the video are <clears throat> insane. So this was, this year has just been insane. And after this first hunt, I didn't think it could get get better. And somehow it did. But, uh, so me and the buddy went out, I think we left August like 28th, 29th and first elk hunt. We're doing it ourselves. You know, we're just like, Hey, let's go put in the work. We'll see what happens. And we go out there and we're hunting Colorado and we scout for five days, five roughly five days. And hold on, before you get too far into that, how did you pick your spot, or like, <laughs> how did you decide one that you wanted to hunt Colorado, and then you don't have to share the unit, obviously, yeah. but how did you decide, like, hey, this is where we're going to focus our efforts? So, for me, it was always I want to kill an elk in Colorado before I move to Montana, New Mexico, and chase elk. Yeah, because when I think elk, I think Colorado. Did you That's say just, move to like isn't like, hunt there or actually move? There? No, 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 no. Okay. Like actually hunt there. Okay. Like move move on in my hunting career. Yeah. No, I, I mean I'd love to move there. Tags would be cheaper. <laughs> I mean it's like thirty five bucks to elk, elk hunt in Colorado. Yeah. As opposed to seven sixty or whatever it was. But funny story about how we kind of found our spot was. So there were three of us that were going, and one of my buddies said, hey, I want to hunt such and such unit, or I've been there to hunt when he was like 16, maybe. Yeah. And he's like, I don't, he didn't know where he even went in the unit. He's just like, I know I hunted here. And it's where his uncle, who is a guide, I think he's now a guide in like Arizona, but that's where he had hunted. And he's like, dude, I want to hunt this unit. So... We're like, all right, let's uh, let's make it happen. And me and me and the other guy who went out, we go out and we just kind of pick a random spot. Like we're like, hey, this area looks good for me scouting. You know, found some saddles and stuff. And we're like, let's go here. A few days later, everyone gets out there, and he's like, this is the exact place where I set up. Like he remembered the no trees. Way. 
exact but he didn't know that that's like he didn't take you there he did not drop us a pin and his uncle thought he dropped us a pin so his uncle was not happy (laughs) but it was literally we're we meet them in town and drive into our spot and we're just driving the back roads and uh my buddy and his dad who had both been out there before are like this looks familiar we've been here before we camped right and we pull in and they're like that's where we camped. And it was just <laughs> like, all right, sweet. Great minds think alike, man. So that was from the start, we were like, all right, we are, we're going to have some success. Um, which I, I say that we, I think it's important for any elk hunter or anyone who's getting into elk hunting or going for the first time to have the mindset of, I'm going for a walk with my bow in the mountains. And if I get an opportunity, there we go. Because it was definitely not a, like, we didn't expect to kill an elk. Yeah. I mean, it's 5% five, 5% across the across the state is the success rate. So, I mean, that, that's, that's kind of what we about thought. That's weird to think about, too, though. Like, I always share that number with people, and I've seen it as low as, like, 3%. Mm-hmm. But you got to think, if that's true, say you and your buddy go out. That means you're going to be doing it for 16 and a half years before either of you kill one. Yeah. But I feel like the amount of new hunters, like first time Western hunters, definitely skew that. Mm-hmm. I think that the majority of that 3% or 5% are killed by people who have been there year after year. Yep. But you're an anomaly yeah. for sure. We talked, we'll, we'll skip to kind of an end, end story because uh, we talked to an agent who stopped, he was talking to us, great guy, but obviously asking us the questions to trip us up. And, you know, we told him we got one opening day, and he's like, wait, what? This is your first time? And for the area we were in, it was one in every 12 years. Oh, my god. It's kind of the average. And he's like, that's crazy unheard of. And especially, like, my bull wasn't, wasn't like, oh, my gosh, it's the most impressive bull ever. But it was a it it had some size to it. It was a nice five by five. I know guys who so, have been going out for twenty years and literally would shoot any bull that right? they saw, yeah. any legal bull, depending on point restrictions in the area. Yeah, they would shoot any legal bull. And the one guy, he actually invited me to hunt with him one time, and I was like, "Dude, how many bulls have you killed?" You know, he's like, "Dude, I've been at it sixteen years, haven't killed one." And that right there, I was like, "I'm not going hunting with you." Right? You know, <laughs> like I'm not saying you're a bad hunter. But to not have, he told me that he hadn't even drawn back on a bull. Oh, wow. And I'm like, no. In 16 years? Whew. I love to hunt, but I think I would probably call it yep. at some point. Or my wife would, for sure. <laughs> right. Non-resident tags, man. Dude. She'd be like, no, no more. Those, those things are expensive. That was that was the hardest part of the trip is going, oh, that all that money just left the bank account. Mm-hmm. Oof. But like I said, we got out there early. And we did not see an elk. Like, we saw everything else. Uh, the place we camped, they were 500 yards away, were pronghorn and stuff in the middle of this field. And then, you know, first day out, we hiked a few areas. Mule deer everywhere. Impressive mule deer everywhere. Yeah. And even at one point, we're walking, and I hear something, and I'm like, sound like a moose and i didn't see it but my buddy goes dude i think that was just a moose and like we kicked up a moose and 
it was just like we saw everything but elk. Yep. And there was elk sign, but not like I made the mistake the mistake of, you know, I'm a whitetail hunter, so they followed these paths. And if they're signed there, they're gonna be there. Well, whitetail are confined to certain areas. Elk have the mountains, so they may have a trail they follow, but it's like once every two weeks. Yeah. So that that was a learning curve for me that we had to figure out really fast. Um, but we went into town. My buddy had a ton of trouble getting out there, like car trouble and all sorts of stuff. So we met in town and ate at a place. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to uh, drop it. I was we, like, yeah. We ate at a place. I'm not even going to say what kind of place, but... Started talking to the owner, and we're like, dude, we've been out here for five days and haven't seen anything. And he's like, well, keep looking, keep going. And he goes, if you can't find anything, come back. I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. Dude, I definitely need to know the name of this place now. So, I, I can share it with you, but like... <laughs> <laughs> off air. Uh, off air. Um, but so we, we talked. We talked to him, we left, we scouted the next day, and we went hard the next day. Like, 10 miles back, just, we didn't even care. We were just like, hike out, hike this way back, let's see what we see. And again, nothing. So, we went back and got some more food. And he literally dropped a pin on our map. He goes, go check this place out. So, we're like, all right, I mean, that was kind of our plan anyways, like, to go... And we were going east from our camp, and he put a point on the west side, and we're like, let's go try it. Yeah. So opening day, without any clue where we were going or what we're going to do, we head out to this point. And it was about two miles back, two and a half miles back, and he goes, you should be able to set up there in glass. So we get to where he put put the point, and we're like, "Uh, it's not really a good glassing spot. So we wrap around, um, and we get up to, we're at about 9,500 feet, and we have a good view of from, like, ridge to ridge on top of this mountain, and we're like, all right, it's set, not even 7 o'clock. It's like 6.30. We're loaded down because we're going, our plan is five miles back. Let's find these things, and we'll camp there. And then we'll go even further the next day if we have to. Like, yeah. we're going to find them. And set up camp there. My buddies are to my left, and they're, they have their jet boils out and stuff. And so the terrain is kind of, like, rocky where we are. And then there's a ditch, or I call it a ditch. It's like a... Like a, a drainage. A drainage. Yeah. And then you can see the other side, and there's more green greener trees and stuff, some some pines, some cedars, whatever. Um, and I tell my buddies, I say, hey, keep your bows close. I feel like we can see an elk here at any moment. Yeah. And it's 630 in the morning. So, I mean, sun just came up. And I had set my bag away from there because it was just, I don't even know why. But I'm, I grab my food and I'm walking to join the other guys who literally have like just poured water into their jet boil to start boiling. And I step up on a rock that lifts me up six inches. And I, I'm just looking just kind of how you do, you know, oh, I wonder if I see anything. And I just see the back of something. And I'm like, 
great, more mule deer. So I, you know, stop. I set my stuff down. I grab my binos out and I get them up and I'm like, oh crap. I go, I just turn to the guys. I go, bull elk, bull elk, bull elk. And I grab my bow and I, luckily I have a Badlands uh, bino harness with kind of, it has the, the range finder and the binos all in one. Yeah. So I had all that and my release in it. So I just grab my bow and I'm, I'm just there. I'm like, all right. My buddies come over, leave their bows. Oh my gosh. Just because they kind of think, they think, okay, these are on the ridge. Yeah, yeah. No, these things are like 200 yards away. Jeez. Like they're, they're on us. How many are you seeing? How many did I, you see? I saw one at the moment and then it looked like there were more. It, it ended up being two. Okay. Um, but it, like, kind of from our view, our, our ridge and the drainage kind of, cut off a lot of that so i get set up i'm like i'm hooked in i'm like okay here we go <laughs> like i don't know what to do and let's see my buddy grabs his he grabs his call and just starts calling he bugles once and then cow calls a couple times and then my other buddy is just kind of trying to find the elk he's like where are they where are they and all of a sudden like as soon as he bugles the first one, which was the bigger and the one I shot, wraps around. We're on a road, by the way. It's like we could have, had there not been like some washout areas, we could have drove the truck back there and loaded this out. You're up. just on like a two-track like, in yeah. the mountains. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, perfect. And they come around. It's like switchbacking up. And they come around and are just heading right at us. And granted, we have a bush behind us, probably 20 yards. And a bush to our left in front of us about five yards. Other than that, it's just barren between us and them. Oh, my goodness. And there's three of us side by side. <laughs> and my buddy's going, I can crawl and get I can crawl and get our bows. And both me, me and the other guy are like, no, don't move. Like, if you crawl, they're going to think mountain lion, bear, something. Yeah. They're out of there. So I hand him the camera. I'm like, just record. And the funny thing about all this is we had done a fun just – competition with the morel like dice target the yeah. high roller targets um and just like to determine first shot quote unquote first yeah. shot yeah well i mean that's something you've got to talk about before yeah. otherwise everyone's going to be drawn back wanting to shoot right and our, our thing was like you may get first shot but if that elk comes around at 20 yards and i i have the shot it's not getting to you i'm yeah. sorry no it's like no, I'm going to sure. be ready. And you, that, you want an elk more than you want to honor that. Yep. And it's like, yeah, if you're side by side, you all have your bows, you all have a shot, mm -hmm. it goes to that guy. But you're not going to pass up a bull yeah. in hopes that the other guy ends up getting a shot. Right. So I'm the only one with my bow. And in that competition, I placed third. Not because oh I was a bad gosh. shot, but because like we did the dice where you have to hit and you get that many points. Yeah. So they all went for the easier shot and got one, two points. I'd go for the hard shot and try for four. Yeah. And it's like a steep angle trying to get it, whatever. So I got third. And I'm like, well, I have my bow. I have everything. So this out, the two out come in. Um, the bigger one's leading it. They're both five by fives. One's a raghorn. One is actually a pretty substantial five by five. Yeah. Um, get to about 40 yards through the bush in front of us. And I draw back and I'm holding for probably a minute and a half 
just waiting. And my buddy who was on the camera, literally, he goes, don't shoot me because my broadhead is like here on him. And I'm like, I won't shoot you. But uh, finally, I'm drawn back. I'm kind of just holding, waiting. And the smaller of the two doesn't spook, but just goes, I don't like this. And kind of nose to the air, turns and starts to just hop off. Yeah. And my buddy lets out a cow call, stops him. But I, I kind of rush the shot and I go, I have the shot. But I did have the shot. I could have hit him. And he goes, all right, take it. And I release. And it, the combination between the bush and it's my first time elk hunting, I'm actually taking a shot at an elk. Yeah. What? I missed. And I so will wait say. A minute. Did you hit your bino harness with your string? No. So I drew back and I actually hit my sleeve with my string. Oh, okay. I had I, a puffy I, jacket on. I remember you telling me you hit something with your string. Yeah. And I, this whole time, thought it was your bino harness. No, it was, it was my jacket because for someone who's never been elk hunting and has dreamed of it, I drew back and I thought buck fever was bad. But, oh, like, yeah. the shakes I had, I'd never had the whole riser of my bow twitching back and forth. Yeah. But as soon as I drew back, my whole bow was just back and forth. I literally, to myself, was like, dude, you have to calm down or you're going to miss. Yeah. And I, you know, composure drew back, and I'm still, like, shaken. But I thought I had the shot, and combination of everything, I missed. Well, in being drawn back for that long, I would imagine also your front arm is going to probably start getting locked yeah. out instead of having that bend and keeping it away from the string. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't, dude, I can't imagine. I've never bow hunted for elk. It was, it was the craziest thing. Like, it really was because it was like turkey hunting where you go, where you see the turkey far off and it finally breaks and you go, all right, here we go. Like, there was no, the crazy thing is there was none of those times when the turkey doesn't break. Like, these elk, as soon as they heard the call, they broke. And it was like, is this happening? And uh, we watched them from 120 yards come in down this road. And it's like, this is actually happening. This is happening. Oh, my gosh, this is happening. And it was just kind of, it, it was the craziest feeling. And anyways, I shoot. It starts to run, and I'm like, I'm about to jump off a mountain. Like, yeah. I am ticked at myself. I know my buddies are mad, but, you know, it's important to go out there with people you trust. Like, they would have been mad, but they would have picked me up, too. Yeah. Um, but it was just, like, the biggest depression I'd ever felt. Like, it wasn't even, like, I made contact. It was, I clean mist at 40 yards on a minivan. Like, yeah. I should have been able – I practiced <laughs> to hit – I practiced to 100 yards. I wouldn't shoot. I told myself I'd shoot 80. I wouldn't shoot 100. I was yeah. just like, that's too risky for me. Um, but I, I was confident. You know, I went to tack events and stuff with the sole purpose of this is to prepare me for a bow hunt on an elk Yeah. where I might not get a 40-yard shot. I might have to take 60-plus yards. Yep. And – this elk runs off. It's funny in the full video that we put out, my buddy drops the camera and he, he had focused on the smaller of the two. When I said, I, I have a shot. We don't know why, um, but he did. 
And he's focused on that one. You hear the shot and he drops the camera, picks the camera back up. And my elk that I end up shooting is standing in the exact spot of the other one. So it looks like I'm taking two shots at the same elk. Yeah. Um, but this elk, my buddy cow calls, it stops, turns broadside for about 10 seconds. And I'm going, how far, how far, how far? And I'm reloading. And luckily we had ranged that already. And my buddy goes, I think 80. Then he finally gets it and he says 82. And I'm, I'm like, perfect. I've been practicing. And I went from the first shot was, oh my gosh, am I actually shooting at an elk? Yeah. The second shot was no questions. I have this shot. Yeah. Like it, it, it becomes instinctual when yeah. it happens fast and you don't have time to think about it and psych yourself out. Mm-hmm. And dude, that's my favorite thing. Like it's the same thing with bird hunting for me. Yeah. If I have birds that are coming in from a long ways off and I've got my gun shouldered and I'm like, dude, I'm about to blast a goose or a duck. Mm-hmm. I don't shoot well in right. that scenario. But what I've actually been practicing doing a lot, and I, I should be practicing the like shouldering it, following it. Mm-hmm. When I when I go and target shoot, when I shoot clays, yeah, I keep my gun all the way down, safety on, until I'm like, okay, I can shoot this clay. Mm-hmm. And then I bring it up quick, safety off, pull the oh. trigger. I shoot way better instinctually. Mm-hmm than I do when I'm like, I need to lead it this much. Okay, it's this far. It's dropping. It's coming towards me, you know. It's that practice that you put in, and finally, you like, when you do it fast, it's second nature. It's boom, boom. It's, it's pulling up the gun, getting on the bird, getting on the clay, leading it how you should, and making it, and being effective. And that that's what happened at this shot. But by the time I had drawn back, he had turned to a frontal shot. And... You know, I'd been at tech, I was shooting at targets the size of deer at 82 yards and hitting them. And the the elk, it looked, to be honest, it felt like it was about a 60-yard shot. Yeah. Maybe. Like, he, it was that big that I was like. Real time, is, it changes. Yeah. yeah. So I draw back. I anchor in. And it was perfect execution. I mean, I could not have shot better. And there was a moment of just like. You know, in videos where you hear the release and then it's boom, 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 boom. Uh huh. Everything stood still, and that's the feeling. And you just watch this arrow just sink. And the re, the re, I will say the reason I decided to take the shot when I did is the elk was not alert to us. Like, if he was alert to us, I wouldn't have taken that shot. Yeah. But he was looking around trying to find a cow. And I knew he would not, he wouldn't have time to react. Yeah, drew back, released it, and just sunk straight through, uh, right through the jugular, right through the carotid, all that's all that's in there. I don't even know the exact anatomy. Um, I think I missed the heart. I'm not actually. I know I missed the heart somehow. I'm confident I caught both lungs with. Uh, I was shooting Grim Reaper four blade, the Carney fours. Um, with a, it has like a two inch cut diameter. Yeah. So I know I hit both lungs and my arrow sunk all the way into like when I found it, it was in the gut, stomach, back of lung. Like that's my whole arrow was inside the cavity. And you, you guys can watch the video. I I've posted it. Um, got a lot of hate for taking a shot that far. Yeah. Um, but the thing is you'll get hate for 
no matter what Everything. you post. Like I mean, you put an ethical shot on an animal, there's there's n- hate for there's it. nothing that should be said. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like from hunters, because I talk to guys and they're like, dude, he took an eighty two year shot. I'm like, I've got buddies who shoot antelope with their bow. Mm-hmm. The whole antelope is the size of an elk's vitals. Right. And they'll shoot those at ninety plus. Yeah. And it's like it it's difficult for a Midwestern or Eastern hunter to wrap their mind around shooting that far. Mm-hmm. But it's like same thing out at my property. I've got targets at 20, 40, 60, 80, and 100. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's a reason you put practice in shooting those shots. You watch any of Cam Haynes' stuff. He's shooting stuff at 120, 160 yeah. yards because he says, if I can make a fatal shot at that distance, an 80-yard shot is a chip shot. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, it, it really is true. It's the same thing with the rifle. The same guys that say, you took a shot that far, might be the same guys that literally don't sight their gun in or check the pattern on it before going out and hunting. Right. And it's like, oh, it was on last year. It's on this year. Yep. You know what I mean? And so everyone's going to be strong opinion one way or another. You're never going to do anything that pleases everyone. No. But, dude, you executed a perfect shot. Dude, and... Being a hunter, you know when you've done that. And this elk, the arrow hit, it dropped and turned. You know how like deer, elk, all of those do. And just sprayed blood. Yeah. And I I hate that I have to say this, but I did not see the elk go down, even though it only went 25 yards. Because as soon as I saw the amount of blood that shot out, I knew I had just killed an elk. And the adrenaline just rushed over me. In the video, in the video, you can see me. I or and hear me. I am bawling. Like I called my dad instantly because I. Well, I celebrated with the guys, and that was the coolest celebration oh, because yeah. there was a stabilizer company. I don't know what company it was, but they had a truck with a wrap parked at the entrance where we walked in. Yeah, and we know for a fact that they were there as we walked by and walked in. So they heard us screaming because we were not far off the trail. Yeah. And we're at the top of this mountain just ripping, just screaming, hugging each other. I'm crying and blacking out. And I call my dad and my dad was in the grocery store and literally like leaves his cart and is like running to his Jeep because he thinks something's wrong. Like something severely terrible has happened. Oh my gosh. And I go, I got one, bull down. And he he just like, he's like, wait, what? Because <laughs> I, I shot at, I think it was like 654 is when the arrow made impact. Jeez. And it was less than an hour after daylight. And like being a hunter, you know, I know, hey, this is an arrow. I need to let the animal lie, make sure it dies. Dude, I lost all my logical thinking. <laughs> I literally start going to the elk. I, I like turn. I saw it do the wobble and I knew at that point it was going down there and yeah. I'm like, holy crap. And I turned and was celebrating again. So I didn't actually see him go down. Um, but I, I literally just was like, took off to him. And one of my buddies goes, give him time, Austin, give him time. And I just like stop and I fall back. Just like, don't know what's behind me. And there's a bunch of fallen like, pine trees and all these tall trees and i just you hear me crash into them in the video and i'm like could just killed myself there but like (laughs) 
dude, lost all logical thinking, and I just fell backwards and was like, I can't believe this just happened the way it did. Like, oh my, perfect goodness. execution on the shot, and you know, I I do want to say like, this bull, while I am the one that took the shot, it would not have been possible to get the video or to call it in had my buddies not been there. Yeah, because like we all played a part in it, and I I probably had the easiest part of shooting it yeah like my buddy literally called this elk back in and got to stop after i had shot an arrow at it and then my other buddy freaking got the coolest video i think i've seen of an elk going down just because like you see the arrow make impact and it's just like oh crap like that's a ton of blood we nicknamed the uh the mountain red river mountain because we literally followed a red path to where the elk was and i mean you've seen the pictures of him laying down there's just blood everywhere and the animal was dead within 20 seconds which was the most satisfying thing to me i think is like i didn't it would have been one thing taking that shot making a bad shot and going now i've injured an animal and i have to track him for the next three days yeah it was a complete other thing to know i took a shot it was executed to perfection, and the animal died in 20 seconds. Yep. And that was... Dude, that's every hunter's dream, man. They want... It's like anybody who plays a sport, whether it's basketball or you go golfing, and you swing that club, and you make contact, or you shoot a three, and it leaves your fingertips, and you know right away, like, that's it. Mm -hmm. I did it. Like, that one's going in. I just hit it to the fairway. Whatever it is... You know that when mm-hmm. you've when you've shot bow long enough. Yep. You shoot and immediately before an arrow hits a target, I can be like, dang it, I pulled it to the right. And mm-hmm. then the arrow makes impact and sure enough it's two inches to the right yep. of where I was aiming. But when you let one go that's just smooth and you know everything was perfect, there's no better feeling, especially on an animal. Mm-hmm. The coolest thing to me about the shot was they told me eighty two yards, I go, I got that. And I don't even remember any of this. Like, I don't remember saying I got that. But I, they, they both said, yeah, you go, I got that. And neither of my buddies questioned it. And, like, we had that confidence in each other. Like, if it was someone else taking the shot, I would have been like, do it. You yeah. got it. Did you know in the moment that your first shot, you had caught your sleeve? Like, did that register? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, you knew right away it wasn't like, dude, I just messed up. Mm-hmm. as much as it was like, dude, my string caught my sleeve. And so, I mean, I feel like that plays a big part into it too because if you just totally whiff on a 40-yard shot and now you've got an 82-yard shot, your confidence ha- has to be down mm-hmm. going, dude, what just happened? I don't know why I did that. And to regain composure after that, I mean, after either one of those scenarios is a big deal Yeah, to be like, no, that's what just messed up. I got this shot, though. And and it came from the practice. I mean, I had enough time between the two shots to draw back, shoot, have that first shot happen, have the thought of depression, like, I cannot believe I just screwed this up. The thing I've been working on for the past year, I just screwed it up. And then to, as soon as I saw that elk turn, that thought vanished. Yeah. And I said, I, I, I didn't say, I thought it going... I have another chance. And from then on, it was kind of a blur. It was 
the only thing I can describe it as is a couple years ago, I went through a deer hunting drought and I had a doe come out during opening day of rifle. And I was like, there we go. And before I knew it, the doe was dead in her tract right there. Yeah. And I was like, <clears throat> you know, when you go out and like you're shooting guns and stuff at, at targets, especially I tend to overthink. I go, I feel the kick more. I, yep. you know, I pull it. Yeah. I, I do all that. But when it came to that moment, I didn't even, it felt like I shot a 22. Like yeah. I didn't shoot a 30 out six. It's, it's, I, it's gotta be the endorphin dump mm-hmm. or, or, or the adrenaline dump where it's just like, everything is firing at an elite level mm-hmm. to where you don't have to think about it anymore. Yeah. It just happens. And again, I mean, it goes to football. Like mm-hmm. I think about throwing a pass and it's like, I'm not thinking about how much I have to lead the receiver. Mm-hmm. I just watch them running down the sideline and mm-hmm. I let the, let the ball go. Yeah. Whereas if there was a bucket out there that was moving, I'd be like, okay, I You're have to thinking do this of it. or yeah. Like, how much how much loft do I have to put under this pass? Mm-hmm. When it's real time, it, the moments of practicing lead to that confidence where your body can take over and your mind doesn't have to do any work and you can just execute it perfectly. It's muscle mm-hmm. memory. All right, if you're not using Tacticam's Reveal Cell cameras on your hunting property for scouting or monitoring the wildlife, you are seriously missing out. When you pair that with the Reveal mobile app, you can see the action as it's happening, no matter where you are. In fact, I've got trail cameras up in Wisconsin on the land that we hunt. And not only do I get pictures from those cameras sent to me, I can also track the progress of the camera, the battery life, how much memory is left on the SD card. And I can see what the weather's doing at the time that a picture is taken. So I can't think of a better tool for scouting, whether it is close to home or in a totally different state. So if you want to stay tuned into the action or just get into the action, go to revealcellcam.com or tactcam.com and use code NOMADIC for 10% off at checkout. If you're an avid listener of this podcast, you've probably heard me talking about Infinite Outdoors in the past. Infinite Outdoors is expanding access for hunting and fishing on private land across the country. From whitetail hunts in Missouri to waterfowl hunts in Wyoming and pheasant hunts in Colorado, they provide access to over a million acres of private land listings for all types of hunting and fishing. Best part is, it's incredibly easy to browse and book properties all on the Infinite Outdoors app. The app is free to download and easy to use. All you have to do is sign up and you can browse over 250 different adventures across 10 states. Download the app today and use Nomadic 15 for 15% off your membership. All right, guys, I've got to tell you about some of the new XOP products that I've been using this fall. And some of them I use in kind of an unconventional way. First off, I use the Mondo saddle, but I also use their turkey hunter vest and I take the cold world stand, put it in the back of the vest, and carry it in that way. Depending on how far I have to pack in, I'll just bring a foot platform, but one thing I've learned is that if I put the seat cushion on the underside of the seat and flip it up, it turns it into a knee pad also, or I can flip the seat down and sit on it like a conventional tree stand. I also use their holster kit clipped right onto my saddle to carry in my climbing sticks while keeping my hands free. If you're interested in getting a mobile hunting setup like mine, go to xopoutdoors.com and use code NOMADIC for 10% off at checkout. 
it's muscle memory and you know like like you mentioned football I grew up playing soccer and I remember one time specifically where I'd done this thing thousands of times and it was it was cross it was crossing a ball into the box for my teammates to try to score and there was one time in one game I dribbled down did the thing I'd done a thousand times and kicked the ball out of bounds and I my coach talked to me after and he literally watched me go like just take a second and walk through the motion of serving it the very next play I get the ball I go down serve it and we score a goal and it was like perfect and he was just he pointed that out to me and you know I remember that and it translates to this elk hunt where I'd I'd shot my bow a thousand times without hitting my sleeve and doing all these things and drew back messed up but it was instantly going okay I just I know I know how to do this and it translated perfectly into the shot and dude it was the craziest experience like I love deer hunting, but man, there was something about that elk hunt it's, that dude. It's different in the wow. mountains, man. It really is on big land where these giant animals, land. I, I'm not saying that whitetails aren't wild because they're totally wild. Oh yeah, but like it's a different level of wild. Knowing that these animals are crossing, you know, dozens and dozens, if not a hundred miles. Mm-hmm. And you have to connect with one of them when they have the terrain advantage, all of the sensory advantage. And then with whitetails, it's like you you kick a deer out. It's not actually going into the next county. I know mm-hmm. that's a popular phrase like, oh, dude, he's in the next county. Yeah. Odds are he's just on the next property. Yep. He went to a little hidey hole, maybe six, seven hundred yards away. Mm-hmm. And you might not see him for a while, but yeah. he'll be back he'll eventually. Be back. And the other thing about it is you have a very limited amount of time mm-hmm. to do it with a bow. Yeah. It's there's so much pressure when you're spending that kind of money. Yeah. Going out there for the first time. And like you said, getting into the mindset of like, dude, just going on a hike with my bow. Mm-hmm. I I get into the mindset of like, dude, I am going to go and kill something right now mm-hmm. because I feel like it makes me a better hunter. Hmm. But if you can kind of relieve the like i don't do that in a sense to put pressure on myself Mm -hmm. but it's just setting the expectation yeah so that i'm more alert i'm more aware i'm i'm glassing harder i'm not just going out there going oh all right we looked at this for five minutes like Mm -hmm. you know that country dude you can't just look over it for a couple minutes (laughs) like every good glassing spot you should be there for an hour Mm -hmm. minimum yeah. Even with a couple guys. Yep. So that's insane, dude. Did you, right after that experience, were you like, I'm coming back every year? Yes and no. It was like, I want to, but for the cost of the tag and stuff, that's what where the no comes in. Yeah. But um, it was kind of, it was so hard to process and it's still like, kind of processing in my mind going, I actually did that. Like, yeah, I going back to kind of the expectations and stuff, like we went out there not expecting to kill anything, but at the same time, like, I think there was a little bit of what you were saying is like, I'm going to kill. Yeah. Like we knew we were out there to kill. We knew we had a job to do job to do quote unquote. But I, I, if I could, I'd go out every year. Let's just put it that yeah. way. Like, 
it's even if I didn't see anything, it was a trip of a lifetime. I mean, man, we we got there, and the very first night, we set up camp a thousand yards from two of the biggest and first time I'd ever seen them in the wild black bear. Dang! Like it was just like me and my buddy, two Missouri boys, going. Those are big bear. Well, I guess let's camp here in our tents. Jeez. And like just the things you get to see and experience. Two days after uh, the after the kill, we're in the same spot. We had just kicked a black bear off of the gut pile, and we put we were pushing in further, and we get probably half a mile further, and I'm taking a leak and. I hear something. I go, dude, look up that way. I heard something. And he's glassing. He doesn't see anything. And I get my bag back on. I button it all up, you know, how you have to do with those giant packs. And I step up on a log and I go, oh, crap. The biggest moose I had ever seen, like bigger than all in the town we were staying by, all those places had a moose mount of some sort. Yeah. This one was bigger than all those. Jeez. 50 yards from us. And I'm going, I have a nine millimeter and I have a bow that has about a 500 grain arrow. I don't like my chances. <laughs> and my buddy had like a, a nine millimeter with maybe two more rounds than I had. And that was it. It was like, well, this is fun, but just like you don't get those experiences here in Missouri. Yeah. I mean, you walk in and the scariest thing you might see in a morning is a skunk. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I'd hate to smell like that, but I'd survive. Like a moose is kind of a life life and death. Like yeah. oh, if that thing sure. tries to like decides I don't like you here. And that time of year too, because mm-hmm. like they're rutting yeah. before, you know, the fall and winter fully kick in. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of the moose seasons... I think the moose season out there starts in early October. There was one. Right? There was one. I don't know what season it was. I hadn't looked into it, but it was starting like a week after we left, or something, or maybe a couple okay. days after we left. So that would have been like September tenth ish. Yeah. Um. So it's like, and those things have no fear of mm-hmm. anything. I mean, I've been close to moose before. My brother. He's got. He sends me videos every day from Steamboat Springs of moose, and they don't care. They like, don't. They know that they're that big. Yep. And they know that they could kill you if they wanted to, as long as you don't mess with them. It seems like they're not going to mess with you unless it's like the rut time. Yeah. But, dude, it was just like so many things you get to see, so much different than hunting here in Missouri. I would go out year after year, like even. I've I've been invited by a couple guys to go out next year and I've if I can convince my wife I'd go out to just like film. You know, maybe I'm not spending that money but at least I get to film and be out there. But uh it's a grind. Like it's not a simple thing and even if you're going with a rifle like I've talked to you, it's not just this easy hunt. Oh no. yeah, I have a rifle I can shoot ridge to ridge now. No, you still like the hardest thing is finding those stupid things. Yep. Like, we saw two that entire trip, and we it wasn't for a lack of trying. I think the biggest mistake that we made after we killed one is didn't push deeper because I think archer archery hunters pushed them deep, so you have to go deeper to find them. Yeah. Um, 
But I mean, it's such big country. Like, I think that's one thing that I didn't expect is I thought I'd just go out and, you know, like deer, be able to find them. But dude, you have to, you have to grind to find those things. Yeah. And once you find them, it gets a little easier, but even still, it's like, now you have to make a plan of how you're going to kill them when thermals and wind and everything else, other animals that you're not seeing are all a factor. Yeah. So it's like my buddy, Sean, my first elk hunt, he told me this before I, I shot a bull. He's like, dude, just break the seal, man. He's like the hardest bull to kill is your first bull. Mm-hmm. He's like, your confidence might not be there. You know, are we going to find him? This and that, like we went several days without seeing a bull mm-hmm. on my first elk hunt. And it's like, after that you do, you get the confidence like, Hey, this is actually possible. Like you go out there with a three or 5% success rate in your mind going like, dude, the odds of me actually doing this are pretty slim. Mm-hmm. But now that you have done it, you're like, I could do that again. I could do it again. And especially like now knowing some more spots and going, if I sit here long enough and I could pass through, you know, the spot where I killed mine was only two and a half miles back. So would I sit there all season? No. But opening day, that's the first place I'm going. Like if I go out next year, it's the first place I'm going. Yeah. And then from there, I now know a little bit more. And I think the best way to learn it is going and doing it. Yep. Because, I mean, if you're a whitetail hunter and you go out and elk hunt, there's a lot of differences. Even though they... Oh, for sure. Even though they're similar, whoo, there's a lot of differences Dude, that you have to learn. It's a whole different ball game, man. I, I love both, for sure. Mm-hmm. There's something about whitetail that will always keep me a whitetail hunter at heart. Yep. But for that one week a year... It's elk, man. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't think about anything else, even with the opportunity to come back and chase that buck. It was like, dude, I'm out here, man. Mm-hmm. I'm not cutting this short. Yeah. I mean, I miss my wife's birthday every year for Oof. elk hunting. My wife made me guarantee I was back by her birthday. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. That's the only thing. Dude, that's but... that's awesome, man. Congrats. Thanks. So then you came back. I came back on the highest high. And did not expect the season that I've had. Um, <clears throat> started out with killing a turkey. Um, and that was just crime of opportunity type thing. He yeah. came in while I was deer hunting on, I think, the 18th, so third day of season. And I was like, sweet, I need some Thanksgiving food. And popped one at like 30 yards. And it, it was kind of cool. I almost sliced his entire head off. That was Dang. First time I'd ever done that. Um, so that was fun. That that night I was involved with um, probably my favorite hunt of the season with my brother. I think it was the same hunt. My brother-in-law shot a doe at like seven yards. And then we literally had a bachelor group of eight to ten bucks, all small. Like biggest one was like a six point, maybe an eight point, but like not even a hundred inch eight point. Yeah all come directly under the tree we were saddling in and they were fighting and stuff. And like, I just decided it was all close to shooting time. I wasn't going to shoot any of them. So I started to kind of mess with them and I'd move a little and they'd all look up and then they'd go back to fighting. And it was the craziest experience, but, um, I guess the most significant, I did get two does in a day 
that was pretty cool. But I mean, not many people talk about does, so we'll skip to the buck. Um, <laughs> I uh, so my first buck, my goal this season was I want an eight point. Like I, I do a lot of hunting, but I haven't killed like I've I'd killed one eight point, and that's it really. Yeah. So I was like, I want an eight point, and this is probably a month or so into season, and I. I have this thing we call the Taj. It look it's this big white enclosed box blind that I built during COVID. Um so I'm in it and you know, me, my brother in law, others had hunted it and we just had not seen deer. Even though we got them on camera. Like we had got them on camera, but then we just hadn't seen deer when we were there. Yeah. So we got to talking and I we've talked about this a little, but uh kind of we came to the conclusion that the deer had patterned us. And we're betting somewhere or watching or something and knew when we were going to the stand and avoiding that. So I'm sitting there and thinking of these conversations and going, there's something I'm missing. So it was a Sunday morning and I get down out of my stand. It's like nine o'clock and I'm just like, I hadn't seen anything. I'm done. Like I'm going to go to church or whatnot. And I decide to take a different way out of the property and I'm weaving through these woods just trying to find a scrape a rub hair poop I don't know just something and I'm walking down this trail and I look up and there's a real nice seven point in front of me and I had already decided seen him on camera I knew which one he was and I decided I'm you know I'm leaving him and he's like 50 yards from me like cool let's see if I can stock up on him to like 20 yards to where I'd have an ideal shot. Yeah. I'm not going to take the shot, but let's see. And I'm stalking through these woods, and I get to probably 40 yards from him, and he his head comes up, and he doesn't look at me, but he looks a different direction. And I'm like, what's he looking at? And I step, and there's my what I considered my target eight point yeah. at the time. And I'm like, oh, this, this just became a game. It was a game. Now it's an actual, like, now we're hunting. Yeah. And... I'm stalking through the woods. These deer are just in this field feeding and the deer's at 50 yards and I have a shot and I'm like, I can make this shot. I mean, I just came off of an elk hunt where I made an 82 yard shot. I'm like, I have the confidence I can make this shot, but I'm like, do I want to risk him moving or anything and potentially never see him again? Yeah. So I'm like, not going to do that. I'm going to get closer. So what, the, what were the weather conditions like? Was it windy? Was it oh, like, yeah. could you, was he going to hear the shot for sure? So the wind was out of the Southeast and it was, so they were, they were to my North, but the wind was just enough angle. Dude, that's the best. That they weren't getting it. Yep. Now they would have got it had they moved just a little bit. Um, but the big reason I decided to hunt that day was that evening we had a terrible storm. And I had noticed at our farm, the deer move. If we have a storm overnight, they bed down. And then that morning, they move later and longer. So I go out there with that kind of weather. It's the, the leaves are all wet and stuff, so I'm able to sneak too. Yeah. And as I get to the spot where I'm like 40 yards from this buck, and I think I can have the shot, the seven point catches wind of something doesn't blow or anything but comes barreling at me pretty much t- 
to just a little to my left. And I'm like, okay, cool. This I'm going to get pretty close to him. Well, I'm watching him, and all of a sudden, the eight comes right over and just stops. And I had set my pin. I was like, if I get to 35 yards, that's where I'm, that's where I'm shooting. And he's there, and I go, that looks about 35. I draw back, and he couldn't see me draw back because his head was behind a tree from, like, there was a tree between us, but his vitals were exposed. Yeah. So I drew back, let it fly, and you heard that thwack. The hollow thud, yep. man. And I'm just like, yes. And, you know, I wasn't confident on the on the shot placement, so I let him lay a little bit. Um, I ended up catching double long, but it was a little bit further back than I tend to like with that. Yeah. And he went 40 yards and was piled up and I got him. And if I'm honest, he wasn't as big as I thought he was. And I say that not to say like, oh, I walked up and I was disappointed because I wasn't at all. I was like, I just, I just nailed this. But the camera, the camera made it seem different. Yeah. So he was he was a younger buck than I think I would have liked to take, but also he met my goal of I want an eight point. That's what I want this year. Yeah. So got him, and he's a really cool buck. He's like some of his tines are longer, and then he has one we called him kickback because like his G, uh, I guess it'd be G two, kind of kicks back a little bit, and it's pretty when he looks certain ways. It's like what is wrong with that deer. <laughs> Um, so that, that was really cool and, you know, dropped him and was, was feeling confident, feeling like hundred bucks. I mean, I was yeah. like, this is great. This is a great season so far. And, you know, some, some other stuff like happened in the season I was involved with my brother-in-law again, his first archery buck that I got to rattle in, which was really cool. That's sweet. Um, on public land too, which was just, it was a crazy hunt. Um, but then opening day of rifle came around and I'm sitting in my stand and I, my wife was with me cause she came out opening day and we had seen nothing up till like nine. And then we saw a spike buck, uh, and then two fawns came out and he, you, he was clearly like, he looked hurt and he was clearly interested in the fawns. So I'm like, there might be another buck around. Yeah. And then my wife goes, big buck, big buck. And it ended up being like a small eight. But it was still like, okay, cool. You know, we're getting some action. And the eight just kind of walks off. And this spike buck chases the does off. And I'm kind of, it's 930 at this point. And I'm just like. Well, this kind of sucks. They all stayed like 200 yards away too. Like yeah. they weren't even close. And it's it gets it gets to the point where I look at my wife. I go, "Are you feeling cold?" And she's like, "Yes." And I go, "Sweet, I have an excuse to turn on my buddy heater." Yeah. You know, you're trying to be tough, and then it's like, "Ah, here, be warm." Yeah. <laughs> and I had my feet kicked up on the window of the Taj, just chilling, and through my feet, I see just this rack. And I'm oh like, my gosh. I go, oh, crap. I grab my gun, and my wife is like, I don't even know if she was awake at that point. But <laughs> she had the, she tries to get the camera. She's, like, working on the camera to try to record this. And I just do this quick, like, really bad, like, snort. We just, like, 
and loud enough for him to hear it. And he freezes. I'm like, sweet. And so I have the same scope you have. Um, and it's mainly, it's really an elk hunting scope. It's kind of overpowered for Midwest deer hunting. Um, I did not realize it was zoomed in to like 20 magnification. Dang. Um, so I'm like trying to find this deer and I'm like, this deer was a big buck. Where the heck is he? Yeah. And he had to have seen me moving because at the time I got on him, he was getting ready to haul his, his butt out of there. Yeah. So I kind of get on him and I kind of do the almost like a duck hunting swing with the duck, lead it a little. Yeah. I get in front of him. I get to where I think, okay, if I lead him by this far, I'm hitting his front shoulder and squeeze one off. And the deer just drops in his tracks. Jeez. And I'm like, I'm looking at him. And there's the moment of, heck yes, I just killed that buck. And also the sinking feeling of, I don't have another buck tag this season. So <laughs> I don't know what my excuse for buck, for deer hunting is now. So especially with my wife, it's like, hey, I want to go hunt. And she's like, you can't kill a buck. Yeah. Yeah, true. Two does, two bucks, a bull, <laughs> right? A turkey. Dude, our freezer what is and was full. Um, but anyways, you know, I give her a f- high five, and I think I drilled this thing. Like I think I nailed him. By the way, he dropped, he kicked, you know, kind of that spazzy kick, and then was still. Yep. And I'm like, unloading my gun, putting it up, and my wife goes, "He's up, he's up," and I'm like, "What?" So I get back, I get my gun, and. Long story short, I ended up hitting him in the hip, like above the hip, actually, and just blowing up his spine, which dang, really, really sucks um, for me just because like I went from two, actually, every shot I'd made on an animal so far had been fatal within five minutes. Yeah. And then this, and this probably was a fatal hit, but it was like a half of a day to a day yeah. fatal hit. Um, and it was the biggest buck I'd ever killed or probably ever killed. Um, so it just kind of felt wrong. Like it was like, dang, you know, it probably come, this is kind of the flip side where, you know, you, you hear about the elk, you hear, oh yeah, you know, I practice. Well, I went out and shot my gun five, 10 times before season to make sure it was sighted in, ready to go. But other than that, I hadn't shot it. Yeah. So a mixture of that and how fast this buck was moving resulted in this shot. Yeah. This, you know, less than ideal shot. So I had to walk up. I I actually, I shot a second time at him and my the shot was dead on. However, I didn't notice that his leg was bent up. Like his, one of his joints was bent up covering the vitals where I was shooting. Yeah. You just saw Brown. I, I saw, cause he's piled up. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. And I shoot, I hit his leg and like blew his leg up. And then at that point, I literally just put down the gun. I go, he's going to stay down. I'm going to go put him down, down with the pistol because like, I'm, I'm going to do right by this deer and put him out as quick as I can. Yeah. And you know, it was like five minutes and he was, he was dead from when I shot to that. But Dude, it was I went I walk up to him and he is just gray face. And I'm like, this is by far the most mature buck I've killed. 
he had to have been probably four, four and a half years old, which eventually I'd like to kill even more mature. But yeah. for where I'm at in hunting, like it was, it was a really good buck, Dude, and I, I, I scored him, um, and he was my first buck I ever killed was 131. He would have been like a 128, 129, but he broke his brow tine. Oh, dang. Off like maybe a day and a half before because it was still like bleach white almost. Yeah. Um, but one part I forgot to share about this story is I've now named this deer. This deer we hadn't ever named or really seen. I've named him Ghost because I don't know if I sent, did I send you the trail cam picture? No. So my wife and I are walking in and I have my grandpa's tacticam. Um, that I can view and I pull it up and my buck is on that camera in just this fog. He looks like a ghost. Yeah. So it caused me to take a little bit of a different route in. And I think by me doing that, I bumped him back my way and gave myself that opportunity. Dang. But it was like 15 minutes before I shot him. We're walking in and dude, I, this trail cam picture was the coolest picture I've got all year of a buck. He's just this this massive buck just kind of walking by this pond. You can barely see him, too. Oh, dang. That's sweet. So, yeah, that, would, uh, that has been pretty much, Jeez. pretty much my season. Dude, that's a killer season, man. It's I been... mean, you've had... We, we've hunted a bunch or several times together this year, hung in the same tree, hung in different trees. And I love, even on years like this, if I don't have success, I love just hearing the success mm-hmm. stories of other people, like hearing it all throughout the process, like, hey, not seeing much or seeing a bunch, mm-hmm. having connected. And then you, you just almost feel a part of that journey with someone. Yeah. And I mean, even now, like I talk to people all over the place and keep in touch about the, about the deer that they're killing or seeing my, my buddy Jake down in Florida. So the father for the baby that my wife is carrying, the the surrogacy couple, um, he, he just texted me last night. He's like, dude, I was at Canyon's karate class and he texted me, he's down in Florida. He's got a 6,500 acre lease that he goes in with a bunch of other guys on. And I've hunted out there with him before. And he's like, dude, I was sitting at the road intersection. It's all just dirt roads Mm -hmm. through this huge forestry area. He's like, I was at the road intersection and I saw a couple deer and I had my scope up or my rifle up looking at them through my scope, trying to see if they were small bucks or does. And he's like, I couldn't quite tell from where they were. And uh-huh. he's like, and so I just decided, hey, there's deer coming out right now. I'm going to turn and look behind me. And he goes, I look behind me, and at 65 yards is a Florida Panther just sitting in the road. And Yo. He's, yeah. And he's had, so he's had bear, panther, tons of pigs, deer, everything on camera down there. And he's like, dude, I turned around, and that thing was right there. And he's like, dude, I pulled my gun up as fast as I could, shot the ground close to it, and scared it off. She's like, I wasn't putting up with that. So. No. But I'm like, dude, that's nuts. Especially the fact that you had no idea it was there. Mm-hmm. And it's and you turn around, and it's, 
I mean, at a distance to where within two seconds it could be to you. Mm-hmm. That's freaky. So, oh man, yeah. But like, I just love talking to people, keeping in touch about right. how seasons are going. Hopefully, I've got some success stories to share. Well, I mean, it's I mean, been it's been fun listening to like talking with you and hearing your stories of, um, of your buck that you'd shot, and then hearing especially the the one you actually killed, and then yep. literally walking up to the people that killed your buck. And that dude, I told story. my wife. Literally, I told my wife on the way up there. I was like, "Listen, I, I almost didn't bring my canoe up there. I was like, <laughs> I'm just gonna go and hunt the normal property. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I've got to get, I've got to get closure. And I know if someone's hunting this island, they're gonna kill that buck. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, just give me the weekend. I'm gonna go up. I'm gonna hunt Saturday. Mm-hmm. I didn't get up there until I got in the tree 15 minutes before season started and I hadn't slept. I drove straight through, Shoof. dropped my wife and kids off, still had to unload the canoe, float to the island. And so I was like, I know that somebody's going to kill that buck mm-hmm. and hopefully it's me. Yeah. But if it's not, like, I want to know. And then as soon as I heard that shot, I was like, I bet it's him. And Man. then. I was debating. I was like, dude, I couldn't I couldn't tell exactly where it was from, and I'm hunting public land. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know these guys were out there because I thought somebody would take a boat in. These mm-hmm. guys floated two dudes in a canoe out there. Huh. And so I'm like, that's why I didn't hear them. And the only boat that, that was at the ramp when I got there that morning were duck hunters, and they went the opposite direction. Huh. So I thought I was out there by myself. And then when I hear the shot, I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> and so anyways, yeah, getting to walk up and actually lay hands on it, put the put the story together, see mm-hmm. exactly where my shot hit. And it, I mean, you could definitely tell what I thought happened after the initial excitement of like 10 ringing, because I thought he was dead. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure that deer was dead. Mm-hmm. But then seeing the arrow flopping, I was like, oh, something's up. Um, but yeah, I got to put it all together. I mean, it went through his, went through his arm like, essentially where the tricep would be. Okay. Um, went through there and I think it just got pinched when he ducked. And I mean, I accounted for the duck. I accounted for everything except for the arm getting in the way Mm -hmm. and, uh, went through there. I mean that the outside of it, Mm -hmm. of his arm was basically healed up. All really, the only thing that you could tell was that the fur was shaved right there. I mean, like it was just, wow. It was a clean, it was, it'd be like if you took a, pair of clippers and just like like one quick thing that's all i mean it wasn't open wound wasn't scabbed over it was fully healed wow and then on the inside there was just a giant ball oh yeah that you could tell was in the process of healing and then there was a about a quarter size wound in his chest where you could tell it broke the skin but didn't get all the way into the vitals so but i'm i'm super pumped man like that was a huge thing for me this season mm-hmm. was to get closure on that buck because I just didn't want him dead out there. Right. And I was like, dude, if it's not a fatal shot, he's going to be alive on this island next year mm-hmm. and I'm going to come back and hunt him. Yeah. So I think it's just cool that you had literally harvested one and then it was like, oh, there's, you know, the story yeah. comes full circle for for the one in the same place. Yep. It's like, that's really Same cool. island, three shots that morning within 30 minutes of opener and huh. all three guys killed bucks on a 70 acre island. That's crazy. Yeah. It was, it's a spot I will be back to. <laughs> that's a money island right It's there. like, I don't know how many mature bucks are going to be out there, but I saw 
I saw way more rubs. I mean, like absolutely shredded trees Mm -hmm. when I went back up during rifle season. It was almost only scrapes when I was up there during uh, archery. But now I've got a pin drop. Like I know exactly the tree that I'm going to sit in next time I go up there. So it should be fun. But, dude, killer season. I don't want to take up too much of your day. I know we've already been at this for almost (laughs) an hour and a half. I could keep talking. We could talk so much longer. (laughs) It seems like every time we hunt together, we spend more time standing at the truck talking than we do actually hunting. But uh, that's part of why I haven't got back in the tree with you because I feel like that's why we didn't see deer that one time is we were too busy talking. <laughs> oh, dude, I talk. I mean, I I'm not shy about it. Like I'll I'll talk nonstop in a tree because oh, yeah. I'm like, dude, if if we're not hearing crunching, especially mm-hmm. if the leaves are dry, I'm like, they're not hearing they're not whispering. Here. So, uh, well, well, part of hunting is the community aspect too. Like I just took the just one guys went out uh, Saturday. With we all like we had a couple guys who were new to hunting and that we brought them out, and we all met to have breakfast. And some of us didn't see deer, some of us saw deer. It was just like, who really cares? Like if we harvest one or not? It was just the enjoying each other, yeah, and being being with guys who are like minded yep. and one to kill, you know, some deer. So. Dude, the camaraderie is huge. Well, we'll have to. I mean, if these bucks keep showing up. I'm I'm not going to go and put a ton of pressure. I am going to go out tomorrow morning. I don't know what you're doing if you want to come out. But uh, tomorrow morning, I'm going to go sit. Every Wednesday, my wife's got Bible study. And so gotcha. I'm like, yep, I'm going. I'm going to go <laughs> try to hunt something. But uh, I'll probably try to get out maybe Wednesday and Friday. And I'm, I'm going to get up and essentially do observation sits and mm-hmm. unless something tells me otherwise yeah. because we still don't have any good weather for hunting in the forecast. Yeah. But none at all. I'm going to go, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to go out, see what we can see. And then we got to, dude, we got to maybe actually get out. If we go out tomorrow, we should go set traps. I was going to say, dude, I will go and get traps from Bass Pro today. Oh dude. I, Man. we just need like some sense. Like I have some traps. So we got to boil. But- it, we've got to boil the traps. I mean, from what I oh, understand, yeah. I don't We'd know probably. a whole lot, but I think you boil the traps, get all the scent off of them. We've got to also put our names on them, mm-hmm. and then, um, dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some research because that would my pro- here's my problem. Here's my predicament. I know I'm all over the place right now, but <laughs> if I successfully trap a bobcat, I don't know that anything on the planet will ever compare to trapping an animal, right? I think I might just be like a trapping freak <laughs> at that point. And that's a commitment. I yeah. mean, because you do have to check them every 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, Hey babe, there's a cold front coming in next week. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to go get in the stand. It's yeah. like a every day yep. I have to go out. And then that type of thing would be early morning or late at night after the kids are asleep mm-hmm. because otherwise it's like taking up part of the work day, taking yep. up time with the family. So Dude, it would be, I just can't imagine. I, I literally can't fathom what it would be like walking up on a trapped live bobcat. I know. We need to do, we need to make it happen. We just need to do it. I'll, I'll buy my trapping license right now online. So will I. All right. We'll, we'll make it happen. Well, before we hop off and actually buy our licenses, why don't you share where people can find you, where they can check out the video, all yeah. the good stuff. Uh, any social media, YouTube, just one outdoors. Um, that really, you can find us there. 
Uh, find us on Instagram. There's a link to our website, which has our podcast, our YouTube, all of that. And yeah, go check out the elk video. There will be an elk video releasing another one. We have two with this elk, or with this elk trip. One kind of tell is telling the story, and the next one is going to be um, more so why it meant so much to us. And the second one, it's not out yet, but will be at some point. We've actually submitted to Badlands for the film festival. Oh, sweet! So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. So. That's cool. Are you going up to ATA here in a couple weeks? No, I don't think we are. No. I, I thought about it, but... My buddy just hit me up. It's in St. Louis this year. Yeah. And so, I don't know if I'm going to make it happen or not. Yeah. So, but dude, thanks for hopping on, man. Absolutely. Thanks fun. for having Hopefully me. Hopefully we can go trap a bobcat or kill a big buck. Dude, I'd be down for both. You just have to film me. I will. That I mean, that's my plan this for the rest of the year is either harvest does or... Harvest does for people that need the meat. I was going to say, uh, I've got a bunch of buddies that are counting on me to get those, <laughs> and I have yet to shoot something in Missouri. So, well, well, I'll bring my bow so that I can help you with that, but I'll also just be the cameraman. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just start chunking up the coyotes that I kill and bringing them to him. <laughs> like, here you go. Got some meat for you. Sweet, dude. Thanks a lot.